You're listening to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We hope this message brings you encouragement and helps to build your faith in Jesus. We're glad you're here to listen to this message from Pastor Paul. We are in the second week of a six-week series on unlocking relationships and particularly marriage. And let me start with this prophetic statement. Relationships are the most wonderful and the most awful part of life, right? I mean, let's just be honest. Relationships define your life. That's a big statement, but it's true. The most important thing in your life, most of us would agree, is the quality of our relationships. That if we have good relationships, they impact our life for the good. If we have bad relationships, they impact our life in a painful and negative way. So we're talking about relationships in general, but marriage relationships in particular. And then the question becomes, well, where do we go to get information about relationships, especially romantic relationships? Well, let me just say there is no lack of information. It's like every daytime talk show is talking about relationships. If you look at the magazine racks in the grocery store while you're waiting in line to purchase Oreos, they're all talking about relationships. There is an entire industry seeking to meet this very painful, very real problem of broken, hurting, struggling relationships. But the question is, where do you go to get good, helpful, truthful information? Where do you go to get that? And the one thing that's very troubling is that there's this prevailing cultural myth, this powerful lie. Let me ask if you've heard it. It goes like this. Christian marriages are no different than non-Christian marriages. There's just as much dissatisfaction, just as much separation, just as much adultery, just as much divorce in Christian marriages as in non-Christian marriages. How many of you have heard that? It's not true. There is statistical evidence to refute this. It's not true. But it is a powerful myth and lie. And, and what it does is it discourages non-Christians from coming to church it discourages non-Christians from reading the Bible. It discourages non-Christians for even seeking out Jesus Christ because they figure, well, if none of this works, then why bother? And it also discourages Christians from walking faithfully in a Christian convictions. The truth is, that is based on faulty research. See, I don't know if you know this, but the polls are sometimes wrong. And the way you ask a question determines what the answer will be. So this faulty research that Christian marriages are no more endearing and enduring than non-Christian marriages, the question was posed basically in this fashion. They go out and ask people, are you Christian or non-Christian? And as soon as the person says Christian, they go, okay, check. Well, what do you think about separation, divorce, so on? 
how many of you know people who say they're Christian, but you're, you're not really sure if they are? Is it possible to say something that you're not? I'll prove it to you. I'm a ballerina. <laughs> don't laugh and judge. You don't know my heart. <laughs> In my heart, I'm a ballerina. And I'm a figure skater. And I learned figure skating on the outdoor ice rinks growing up in Florida. <laughs> you can profess something that you don't practice, right? Now, you follow me around. Would you have any evidence to prove that I am who I say I am? No. And you know why? Because I can't do either one of those things. How many of you have gym membership? But you never go to the gym. You can profess something that you don't practice. There are a lot of people who profess to be Christian, but they don't practice their Christianity. And they leave us wondering, do they really possess a relationship with Jesus? So another researcher came along. His name is Bradford Wilcox. And he conducted this incredible study. Let me share first a little bit more about him. He is the leading sociologist on the subject matter of faith and family in America. He's a professor at the University of Virginia, and he runs an institute called the National Marriage Project that studies these things. And after months of, of research, he wrote this groundbreaking book entitled Soft Patriarchs, New Men. It was a massive survey. Rather than just asking, do you profess to be a Christian? Dr. Wilcox then asked some practical questions about how they practice their faith. So questions like, well, do you believe the Bible is God's word? Do you believe that you are a sinner? Do you believe that you need Jesus as your savior? That's beliefs. And then he went into practices, behaviors. Do you attend church? How often? Do you read your Bible and pray? And what he found out was those who have Christian beliefs and Christian behaviors have very different relationships, particularly marriages, and they are impacted for the good for the entire family. I'll read a little bit of what his research determined because I think it will encourage us. He says this, conservative Protestant married men, so Bible-believing, Jesus-loving, church-attending men, are consistently more active and expressive with their children. That's encouraging, right? I mean, how many of us think as a general rule that kids need better dads? Where do they go to become better dads? If you're a man, statistically, you go to church. That's where you learn that God is a father. You meet other men who are godly. You'll learn about godly examples. You will grow to be a better dad. Dr. Wilcox also said, conservative Protestant family men. So his study was along Protestant lines. It's not saying that there's anything anti-Catholic about this, but his study was in terms of 
mainline Protestant churches, evangelical Protestant churches, and those with no Christian affiliation whatsoever. Conservative Protestant family men are more likely to do positive emotional work in their marriages and are more consistently engaged emotionally in their marriages. How many of you women would like a more emotionally engaged man? He continues, church attendance almost uniformly promotes higher levels of paternal involvement and expressiveness among conservative Protestant family men. Wives are more likely to report marital happiness with love and affection they receive from their husbands if those husbands attend church. Also, religious attendance is associated with more empathetic behavior on the part of married men with children. It means that they start thinking about their wives and children and not just themselves. More of what Dr. Wilcox concluded. Active, that is church going. Active conservative Protestant husbands are the group least likely to commit domestic violence. Yes, the safest group of men are church-attending, Bible-believing, Jesus-loving, prayer-uttering men. He said men who are regular church-goers are more likely to spend time in youth-related activities. They hug and praise their children more than others and yell at their children less than other fathers. The most compelling Evidence, research proves that those who go to church, read their Bible, pray, are more emotionally healthy, more empathetic, more considerate, more life-giving. It affects their marriage relationships in a positive way. And it creates a nurturing environment where wives are safe and loved and the children grow up to be loved and nurtured and encouraged. The opposite of all this is that powerful lie that going to church, reading your Bible, praying to the Lord does nothing. The truth is, it changes everything. But only if you will practice them. So today may be a lot of what you already knew, but the question is, are you doing them? You see, some of us don't need more information We just need to act and obey the information that we already have. That's why James, Jesus' little brother, the, the, the New Testament book that we just finished studying, says, do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So we're going to look at three things today. Three things you can do right now by the grace of God to become a more, more emotionally healthy, more relationally safe, to build more relational and emotional intimacy. The first point is this. Churches are for marriages, not just weddings. Now, I know churches aren't necessarily the venue of choice anymore for weddings. That's okay. But the point is, If you only show up at church for a wedding and you never darken the doors afterwards, it absolutely benefits you zero. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. 
And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Spur one another on toward love. Now, how many of you get tired of loving someone? It gets a little wearisome sometimes, doesn't it? It's hard work. And spur them on to good deeds. You know, when you're doing the wrong thing, it's hard for me to do the right thing. Why should I keep doing the right thing when you're doing the wrong thing? We need to be stirred up. We need to be motivated and encouraged. And it's one of the reasons we come together like we are doing right now. In the next verse, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. You know what? Life is not to be lived in isolation. The first thing the Bible says is not good, it's not good to be alone. We're made to live in relationship with God and with one another. And we help motivate and encourage and nurture one another toward love and good deeds. That's why a team, before they take the field or the court, they meet in the locker room. And they first have that time to motivate one another to go take the field for this common cause that they have. That's what we do on Sundays. This is our meeting in the locker room. It just smells better in here. But we need to motivate and encourage one another. That's what church is all about. Now, another set of pronouncements by Dr. Wilcox. And after being a pastor for the past 32 years, I couldn't agree more. Here are the benefits of mutual church involvement by a husband and a wife. First of all, couples that have the lowest divorce rate share the same basic Christian beliefs and believe the same things about the Bible. Conversely, Couples with the highest divorce rate are from different religions or profess no religion at all. So if you're single, you're finding someone who believes in God and will worship God with you. Why is this important? Because Satan opposes you and your marriage. He doesn't want you to be on the same page as your spouse. So you've got to pull together as husband and wife and give your marriage to God. And let me say this, your marriage has an enemy. Your enemy is not your spouse. Your spouse is the person God gave you to stand with you against your enemy. So you are the other half of me, not the enemy of me. Now here's a troubling thought. The latest statistic is that the average committed Christian, average committed Christian attends church 40% of the time. Imagine if you slept 40% of the night, if you only ate 40% of all your days, if you hydrated only 40% of the weeks of the year, you would be very sick but participating in a life-giving church family is preventative before the attack of the opposition in your marriage. 
And if you're not walking with God, not worshiping God, not reading your Bible and praying and being in community, then you're not taking on the deposits that need to be there. So when opposition comes, you have something as a withdrawal. You've got something as a resource to count on, realizing that God is right here with you. All right, the second thing to safeguard your relationships, especially your marriage, is read your Bible. The Bible is the inspired word of God. Ultimately, it is not written about us. It's about Jesus. It is not about us. It's about him, but it is for us. Because this book is primarily about the person and work of Jesus Christ, our God, Savior, King, and Lord. And this book is the best-selling book in the history of the world. It has been translated into more languages than any other book in history. This book stands alone as being the only perfect thing on earth. And it claims to be the very words of God. And I tell you, there is nothing like this book on earth. Nothing else that changes your soul Nothing else that reveals your sin, nothing else that heals your heart, nothing else that guides your life like the living word of God. And the benefit comes by opening it, reading it, studying it, memorizing it. You know what Lori and I have in common? First and foremost is Jesus. You know what else we had in common early on in our marriage? Nothing. (laughs) There wasn't a whole lot we saw eye to eye on in those early years. But God's word continues to change and transform and heal us. And God's word is built to make you more like Jesus. That is healthy in your relationships, more loving, more life-giving, more forgiving. Here are some scripture passages that go along with this. First one from Romans 12, 16. Paul says, live in harmony with one another. You know what? It's really hard to live in harmony when you disagree. Married couples, it's hard enough to build your life. But it's exceedingly hard if you can't even agree upon what you are building And so the key is, next verse, 1 Corinthians 1.10, Paul says, agree with one another. Well, how do you agree with one another? Well, you're going to need a common source of revelation and information and transformation. That is God's word. In Proverbs 30, verse 5, every word of God is flawless. He, that is God, is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Let me say this. All of your relationships, they are under attack, right? Satan and demons are at work. The culture is not friendly toward loving, healthy, life-giving relationships. All of the temptations that exist in media, on the internet, in social media, you're going to need a shield Because there is fire raining down on your relationships. God's word is a shield. 
It's a safe place for you. It's a safe place for your relationships. It's a safe place for your marriages. It's a safe place for your family. Bottom line, this is husband and wife agreeing, being on the same page. Singles are like, well, well, he believes in God or she believes in God. Great. Even the demons believe in God. Don't marry one. You got to marry someone who agrees with you on the really important things. And that is, it begins with God, the Bible, Jesus as Savior. And we both submit to him. Bottom line, a woman feels a lot safer with a man who's in the Bible a lot because then he's under authority. The most dangerous place for a woman is one who says, my husband is in authority, but not under authority. That's not a safe place. A safe place for a woman is He's under authority. He he spends time in God's word. He walks in wise counsel. He surrounds himself with godly men. He wants to learn and grow. He is praying over the decisions of the family and you and he doing this together because you know he loves you, won't dominate over you, and together you are seeking the will of God for your family. Let me read this. This is more summary of the Bible from the sociological research. Couples who are part of the same Christian denomination are 42% more likely to be happy than couples who aren't. Higher rate of church attendance and theological conservatism are associated with greater marital happiness, especially when, when spouses have similar beliefs and attendance patterns. Conversely, couples who do not share the same religious denomination or have no religious affiliation are significantly more likely to divorce and couples with different religious backgrounds are 120% more likely to divorce. So let me say this. If you want to have an enduring and endearing relationship, it has to be built on the foundation of God's word just something you believe. It needs to be how you behave. It can't be just what you profess. It has to be what you practice. There are many Christians who spend so little time in Scripture that their souls are starving and their relationships are dying. So it's church participation. It's Bible reading second. And the third thing is prayer. James 5.16 talks about relationships and just says, pray for one another. Here's the sociological research from Dr. Bradford Wilcox. The frequency with which couples engage in home worship activities, Bible reading and prayer was also a positive link with relational qualities you men are thinking, I I don't know how to be head of the family. I don't know how to lead my family. Pray for your family. Pray with the people in your family. Some of you guys might be like, I'm no good at it. 
I tell you right now, your wife doesn't care. She would rather have a husband who doesn't know how to pray well, start praying, than a husband who doesn't pray at all. And what she knows is if you want to learn to pray, the Holy Spirit will teach you how to pray. You just need to start praying. And let me say this. Some of the wives and children in here are like plants that have never been watered. And if you would just pray for them, there would be great nourishment that would just rain down from heaven upon your family. You want to know why most men don't pray? It is one of the most intimate things because prayer is at the level of the soul. And a lot of men want physical intimacy, but they don't want to invest in spiritual intimacy. I mean, think about it. It's really hard to hate someone that you're praying for. Amen? It's really hard not to forgive someone you're praying for. It's really hard to say, I'm done with you after you've prayed together. And here are some of the benefits of prayer. I'm going to give you five. Number one, it builds intimacy around God. Look, if the husband is the center of the marriage and the family, everything revolves around him, he's the idol. If the wife is the center of the marriage and the family, she's the idol. If the children are the center of the marriage and the family and everything revolves around them, they are the idol. But if God is the center, as you and your spouse and your family get closer to the Lord, you get closer to each other. And you are coming into a healthy, life-giving, loving center. Number two, prayer invites mutual caring. The easiest way to care for one another is to pray for one another. Men tend to be fixers. Like, tell me the problem, let me fix it. But oftentimes, it's not a fix it kind of situation. It's a pray it out kind of situation. Number three, prayer unifies decision making. I would never want to make a major decision without Lori. The Bible says that we are one, so we have to have unity. The Bible also says she's my helper. And we all agree I need a lot of help. Number four, don't say amen. That's not the appropriate time. <laughs> Number four, prayer transfers the burden. There are certain things in life that are just very heavy and burdensome. And if you feel like, I can't carry this all by myself, so my spouse in prayer with me will carry it together and ultimately will carry the burden to Jesus. It transfers the burden. And number five, prayer prevents gossip. How many of you, when you get frustrated in any relationship, but particularly in your marriage, you start talking to the wrong people and you start talking about that other person rather than to them. This is where you grab your family and your friends. You are like, let me, let me tell you my side. And, and they get all worked up and come to your defense without knowing the other side. Or you go online. Technology allows us to gossip and let all kinds of people come in. 
there are, in many instances, places where Christian counseling is needed. But I've got to ask, do you talk to the Lord about it? Do you pray to the Lord? Do you bring it to the Lord? And let me say this about prayer. God doesn't need prayer. You do. I do. Prayer is where we get honest with God and we invite God. It's where God changes our will. It's where God reveals our motives. Prayer is where God reveals our heart. And prayer is where we build intimacy with him and one another. Prayer is where we invite the Lord to be the center of our relationships. Can you imagine how great our marriages will become when we begin to pray with and for our family? I mean, how many of you coming in here would have said, yeah, going to church, reading the Bible, praying is a good thing. Most of us would agree. But if I asked, how's it going? Most of you would say, well, not very well. I said last week, the Bible talks a lot about walking with God and what is key to walking steps. So what's your next step? Get a Bible and start reading it. Download the version app on your phone. Start praying every day with and for yourself and others. What's your next step? And if you're a man and you really want to impact your walk with God and learn how to be a better godly husband and father, then I invite you to sign up for our next Every Man a Warrior Bible Study. We're going to begin it as a Sunday school class on September 10th, but don't sign up if you're not serious about desiring change and committed because this is going to take us a year to complete. But if you're willing to step up to a better marriage and a better family, you can go online right now. You can go online today. You can go online and sign up. Look, for all of us, we're not here looking for perfection. Just progress. Let the Lord in. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, our website, bhprez.org, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on all our latest content.